Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I pray that you'd bless this midweek service. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts, that you'd use it uh, to be a help to us this evening. God, it may seem, uh, I don't know, maybe a bit unneeded tonight, but really it's not. I pray that you'd help us to see the benefit and the blessing of it and the help that it can be in our personal lives. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, three weeks ago, you know that we began looking in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, and I've reminded us of this each week, that Paul spent time answering some questions that had obviously been conveyed to him uh, by the Corinthian believers. And so for the last three messages, we've looked at aspects of marriage and divorce and remarriage and being married to an unbeliever. And so last week's message was the one about being married to an unbeliever, and Paul gave his counsel and his advice on the matter And he said, basically, if you can make the marriage work, even though one is unsaved, then by all means stay together because there's nothing to be gained. There is no profit to be had in divorcing or separating from the one who is not saved, from the one who is not a believer. And yet Paul also understood that sometimes that does not work out, that there are times that the unbelieving spouse in the relationship will not tolerate the faith of their spouse And so they leave, and when that happens, Paul said that you need to let them go and that uh, you need to be a person who remains peaceful in all of this. And so I tried to show us last week that uh, just the simple truth, that if it can work, it it needs to work, and if it can't work, then it has to be very uh, prayed over and it has to be very... Uh, or a person has to be very careful in, in how they conduct themselves because no matter what, we have to be Christians. Okay, We have to be Christians, and that can be a challenge. And I know that most of us tonight, like last week, we would say something like this. Well, I mean, our marriage isn't on the rocks. Our marriage isn't struggling. Now, we don't have to worry about that. And I'm thankful if that's your testimony, if that's our testimony. But divorce is a part of our culture. And we're going to know people, whether we wish this were so or not, we're going to know people whose marriage dissolves. And when that happens, even if it's not us directly impacted, we need to make sure that the way in which we are challenging people is a biblical manner and a right manner before God. All right? And so that's what we talked about last week. Tonight we're going to be looking at a few more verses. Thankfully, it's a break from the topic of marriage and divorce and everything else. I'm looking forward to dealing with something else. Before we do... I want us to think about something. This will be somewhat of a lengthy introduction, but I want us to think about something. This affects ladies and kids more than it does men, I believe, okay? But uh, I think every one of us are aware of the fact that over the years, fashion and trends are going to come and go by way of what people wear. You know that to be true, right? And uh, again, I think that affects women and children more than it does men. Usually men can wear blue jeans and a shirt of some sort, and they're pretty much fitting in with everything around them, all right? But but it does change from time to time, even for men, and it certainly changes uh, for everyone else. I was thinking about this 
from my perspective growing up, I was thinking about what were some of the trends. And, of course, I'll not mention all of them. Some of you will remember them. Some of you may not. But I remember when the parachute pants became cool. And, you know, if, if, if you were somebody, if you were cool, then you were going to be wearing the parachute pants. And so at some point, I don't know if it was birthday or Christmas or just the kindness of my parents, but I was able to have a pair of parachute pants. I remember that the, the Coca-Cola shirts were popular for a while. Do you remember those? Some of you don't. Some of you do. But uh, Coca-Cola, I guess, came out with some shirts. They had a collar on them. And... Uh, those were the shirts to be worn for a while. My grandma bought me one of those because my parents wouldn't pay that kind of money for one. I remember going through that stage when you had to have the right kind of tennis shoes. You just you, you had to have this pair of shoes. You couldn't have that pair of shoes. And so I could spend hours up here talking about different trends, different fashions. But you understand the point. Trends and fashions, they come and they go, they change and they vary, they differ and they move and they recycle themselves and all these different things. And to be in style or to stay somewhat up with the trends is not necessarily a bad thing. Would you agree with that? I would not be more godly this evening if I was dressing like my grandpa from 75 years ago. You understand that, right? So if I was up here in a tweed suit and a, uh, you know, a horrible-looking shirt and the big collars that came down to here and the bell-bottoms, I would not be more godly because of that. In fact, that could even be a hindrance to, say, my ministry because people would wonder what my problem was. Why does Kyle dress like that? So you understand that it's not in and of itself necessarily wrong to, to stay somewhat current with the styles and the trends, but I want us to think about this truth, that sometimes when fashions come and when trends become popular, there are people who are driven by the latest trend and the latest fashion. And because they are driven by the latest trend and because they are driven by the latest fashion, here is what they do sometimes. They determine their own measure of importance or coolness based upon how current they are with today's trend. So if they have the right shirt, if they have the right pants, if they have the right shoes, if they're wearing the right hat, whatever it may be, if they have all these things in place, then they're cool. They have arrived. And everybody needs to take notice of me. There's a problem in that. Because here's what we know, especially with kids, and I remember this from my own childhood, I remember that there were times that, that my worth was lessened in my own eyes because my parents would not pay the money needed for me to dress like everyone else dressed that I thought was the standard of cool. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not bad in and of itself to be somewhat fashionable, but if I determine my worth based upon these things which could change at a moment's notice, 
then I've got a problem. There's also a problem when you're driven by those things, when you not only determine your own worth and value and significance based on those things, but you determine someone else's worth or value or coolness based on those things. I don't know if you were ever the person who did this or maybe you were the person who received this, but again, let's be honest, sometimes kids can be pretty brutal on the kids who can't afford or who don't fit in with the latest fashion trends. So there are times that kids especially, they'll look at other kids and because they don't have the shirt, they don't have the pants, or they don't have the cool shoes, well, those kids aren't cool. But if they do have them, then those things are cool. That is when it becomes a problem when you are so driven by fashion and trends that not only do you determine your own worth and your own value, but you determine someone else's worth and their value based on things that truly do not matter. Because at the end of the day, who cares if I wore parachute pants or not? At the end of the day, who cares whether or not I had the Coca-Cola shirt or the Nike shoes or the Converse shoes, whatever it is, at the end of the day, those things don't matter. Now, you may sit here tonight and say, well, Brother Kyle, fashion has never been my hang-up. Trust me, I know by looking at some of us, fashion has never been our hang-up. So you may say, I feel like I'm going to skate through on this one. You may or you may not. But I want us to look in verse number 18 and keep in mind that Paul is answering questions, all right? Keep that in mind that Paul is answering questions. Now, I, I mean, I started to say I'd like to know who submitted this question. Maybe I wouldn't want to know who submitted this question. But nonetheless, in verse number 18, Paul said this, Is any man called being circumcised? Is any man called being circumcised? What does it mean when Paul asked the question, is any man called? Well, that word called would be a reference to someone being called unto salvation, okay? Being called out of life of sin into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he said, has any man or is any man called being circumcised? Now, when you read the word circumcised, here is what you normally think of and what you normally ought to think of, and that being a reference to a Jew, all right, because generally speaking, it, were, it was the Jews who were circumcised. And so he says in verse number 18, by way of question, is any man called being circumcised? So are there any Jews who have been saved? And seemingly the answer would have been yes. So notice what he said after that. He said, let him not become uncircumcised. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you have to address it and you have to deal with it. Because in doing some reading, here is what I found, that there were those who for whatever reason, though they were of Jewish descent and Jewish nationality, that as a result of their salvation, for whatever reason, they would want to distance themselves from that and to fit in more with the Gentile or the Greek culture or the Gentile society, they could actually go through a procedure that would give off the appearance of having never been circumcised should that be revealed. Now here's what Paul said. Is any man called... 
being circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man or is any called in uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. What does that mean? It means this, that there were some who were Gentiles who would not have been circumcised according to tradition. And he said, is there any who have been saved that have not been circumcised? That being the case, again, it being implied that it was so, he said, let him not be circumcised. It's fairly simple to understand, is it not? If you got saved and you were already circumcised, let's not mess with that and try to go backwards. If you got saved and you weren't circumcised, there's no need to be circumcised and move forward. Here is what Paul is saying. Just leave things as they are. Now, why would he even have to address this? Because at some point there had to have been some kind of discussion and maybe some kind of dissension over the subject of circumcision and its relevance or its importance or its significance in the life of a believer. At some point this had been discussed, at some point this had been debated, and at some point there were Christians there in the church of Corinth who said, we need clarification on this. I have been circumcised and people are telling me I should not be. Others are saying I haven't been and they're saying I should. So what is the answer? And Paul said the answer is this. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. How come? Well, notice in verse 19. He said, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. What does that mean? It, it, it just means that. This is not a big deal, guys. At this point in the conversation, this is not something you need to be worrying about. It could also be said like this. Men understand that this is immaterial with God now. God is not worried about these things because he said in verse number 19, here is what is something to God. It's not circumcision or uncircumcision, but the keeping of the commandments of God. God's not worried about whether or not, sir, you are or are not circumcised. What he wants to know is this. Do you keep and guard and protect and observe the commandments that have already been laid out. See, under this new age, and this new dispensation, in this age of grace, Paul said what God is worried about is not that physical act, but what he is worried about now is your obedience to the commandments that have been given. So in verse number 20 he says, Let every man abide or remain in the same calling wherein he was called. So it says in verse number 20, 20 uh, yeah, verse number 20, Whatever you are, stay that way and don't worry about it. We might say it this way, This is not a big deal. What is a big deal is obedience to the Word of God. Verse number 21. Art thou called being a servant? Again, the word call is talking about a reference to salvation. 
So being a servant, what does it mean to be a servant? It means to be a, a, a person under the bonds or under the authority of someone else. So there were obviously some people in the church who had gotten saved, though they were a servant or a slave or under the authority of someone else. Notice what he said in verse 21 after that. He said, care not for it. What does it mean, care not for it? It means don't let it bother you. If you're a servant, don't allow that to be an issue for you. Well, Paul, how could you say such a thing? Because Paul spent much of his time as a prisoner. He knew what it meant to not have rights and authority over his own personal life. So he could say to one who was a servant who had gotten saved during that period in their life, he could say, listen, if you're saved and you're a servant, don't worry about it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. Simply saying, if you have the chance to become free, take advantage of it. But if that opportunity never affords itself, don't worry about it. Because he said in verse 22, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman, or the free man, so he is saying, as a result of your salvation, though you are a servant, in Christ you are free. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ what? Is Christ's servant. What is he doing? He's helping the bondman or the servant or the slave, and he is also helping the one who is free who may not even realize he needs the help. See, here's the one who would be the servant, and he might look at himself and say, I deserve to be free, or I need to be free, or I would be so much better off if I was free. And Paul said, if the opportunity affords itself, take advantage of it. But if not, don't worry about it, because the one who is seemingly free, he is still a servant of Christ, which means he's not free to himself. So there's no distinction really between you except in title and in social standing. I know this isn't real thrilling yet, but jump down to verse number 24. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So circumcised, uncircumcised, here's what you do. You abide in the same calling wherein you were called. The servant and the free man, here is what you do. You remain or you abide therein with God. Whatever position you are in, be content to stay in that position. Do we understand this? Okay. Now look in verse 23, because here is kind of a, a critical point or a crucial thought that Paul conveys. He said, ye are bought with the price. Well, who was bought with the price? Well, the servant and the free person. The circumcised and the uncircumcised. The same price was paid for everyone. 
It's not as though Christ paid a greater price to save the free person or the one who was a Jew and had been circumcised, and he paid a lesser price for the servant and the one who had not been circumcised. No, of all of them, regardless of who it is, Paul said, ye have been bought with the price. So after that he said, be not ye the servants of men. Be not ye the servants of men. What does it mean to be a servant? It means to be the one who is under the authority of someone else. Do not allow yourself to become or to be a servant of men. Don't place yourself under the authority or the influence of other men. Don't allow that to happen or to take place. That may sound somewhat controversial, maybe somewhat contradictory, but it's really not when you consider the context. You've got the circumcised and the uncircumcised, and between them, what do you seem to have? A source of conflict. Following this, a source of conflict. So he says to them, do not be servants of men. Don't allow yourself to be influenced by the thinking or the authority or the position of other men. Guys, if you've already been circumcised, don't listen to the people who would tell you you have to be uncircumcised. And men, if you've not ever been circumcised, don't listen to the ones who tell you you have to be circumcised. And for those of you who are bondmen or those of you who are servants, don't allow yourself to be influenced by those who are free. And for those of you who are free, don't assume that you are better than those who are the servants. Get this through your head. These things don't matter, so stop evaluating and critiquing and determining which is better and which is worse based on the current position of that day or of that moment. Be, ye not, uh, be not ye the servants of men. I can tell this isn't real interesting right now, but it's actually very important. Because see what Paul said in verse number 19 was this. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. What matters is keeping the commandments of God. So what's not important is this. Is trying to appease and appeal and and find favor with someone who would be different than you because that is the trend or that is the idea of what is right in the culture, in the society for that moment. It doesn't even matter. Listen, it doesn't even matter. 
Just like what a person wears, what a person puts on, those types of things, that doesn't even matter. So when you're talking about these issues, Paul would say, these things don't matter, so therefore don't allow yourself to get it into your head that these things do matter. Don't allow these things to drive you and motivate you, and don't allow these things to determine your worth or someone else's worth in the sight of God based on how much they do or do not agree with you. Don't do it. Find the Word of God, find what it says, do that, and don't worry about all the other things. Now, this evening, I don't know if this is making any sense at all. I don't know if this is connecting with us at all, but I want us to think about just a couple of things, all right? Over the years, here is what you see if you've been in church very long. You see that trends kind of rotate in church life like they do in fashion and other things. Do you know that? Trends and positions and attitudes and thoughts, they come and they go. Okay, I'm going to share a couple of things just by way of example. All right, whenever I was in Bible college, these were the rules. I had to dress like this every day. I had to have on slacks, a shirt, and a tie every day. That was required of me. Is there anything wrong with that being a requirement at the college that I attended? Of course not. But if you were to go back to the same college that I graduated from a little over 18 years ago, here's what you would find, that things have changed and the men are no longer required to wear what I was required to wear 18 years ago. Now, if I'm not careful, here is what I could do. I could look at the trend that I was in and look at the trend that they are in, and I could say something like this, I was more spiritual because I dressed in this manner whenever I went to college. Apparently, things were far more serious whenever I went to college, and apparently we had much more of a heart for God whenever we went to college because we got up and we dressed up for school and those who are living in the trend now at the Bible College may say something like this, you're just a bunch of legalists. Because you're making a big deal out of whether or not we're wearing a slacks, a tie, and a dress shirt to school. You see what happens here now? You have division because there is a difference over a matter that really doesn't matter. <laughs> but if I'm not careful, I can become a servant to the ones who tell me this is the right way to do it, rather than remembering this doesn't matter at the end of the day to Almighty God. 
at the end of the day, at the end of my college experience, and at the end of some young man's college experience today, God is not saying, well, bless you, Kyle, you're more of a Christian than that person was because you dressed differently than them. That's not at all what God is saying. What God is going to do is he's going to look at me and he's going to look at this individual who's graduating today, and he will not look as to whether or not we were both wearing a necktie, but what he will look at is this, is did you live in obedience to my commandments? Because that is all I am worried about, is your obedience. But I can get so wrapped up in those that I am attracted to by way of their thoughts and their philosophies, and and I don't want them to look down on me that I may be going liberal and I may be going another direction by not wearing a tie, by not dressing up the way they said I'm supposed to dress up. And so I hold to this line of thinking that when you go to the house of God, when you go to Bible college, when you do these things, you have to look like this. That is me now placing myself under the authority of someone over an issue that is not biblical whatsoever. And the one who didn't wear a tie or the one who doesn't wear a tie, the one who doesn't wear the slacks and the dress shirt, if they're not careful, they can become the servant of the trendy hip guys who say we're all legalists. See how this happens? If we're not careful, we get wrapped up on these issues that should not be issues, and they become divisive when they are not even remotely important to God. Have you ever noticed that this is true in all denominations, not just ours, but in all denominations? Strong personalities tend to get followers. And sometimes the followers are following things that are not scriptural. But they do it with the sense of loyalty and dedication that is borderline nuts. See, the person with a strong personality, they preach things like this. Men ought not wear jewelry. Whatever. How much jewelry is too much jewelry? Is my wedding ring a sin against God or is it not a sin against God? Should I wear the tie pin or should I not wear the tie pin? Should I wear the ink pen in my shirt or is that a little too flashy? You understand how that can get silly? Of course. The notable strong personality preaches, Ladies, don't wear any makeup and don't ever cut your hair. And so you show up at their church and what do you have? You have a lot of ladies with long hair and no makeup. (laughs) And it's kind of scary to go to that church. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. But if people aren't careful, 
they can become the servants of others. And obviously the issue is not circumcision or uncircumcision, free or servant. It's not that. But now it's something like whether or not a lady should cut their hair or whether or not a lady should wear makeup. And now you've got people divided over this and people divided over this. And you know what's happening? Because that is the trend or that is the mindset of someone. You've got people who are, who are now devoted to this or they're standing in opposition to this. And here's what people are doing. They are now determining their spiritual worth and another person's spiritual worth based on where they fall on this particular issue. And that is when it's dangerous and that is when it's wrong. And the examples and the illustrations could go on and on and on. What Paul is trying to get them to realize is this. What matters most is the Word of God. That is what matters most. Now, let's be honest. Circumcision, that's about as private of an issue as an issue can be. You don't even need to worry about that. That is between you and the Lord, but that has nothing to do with Scripture. What I want to remind us of tonight is this. Is that just because something is a trend or just because something is fashionable among our ranks does not mean that it is an issue worthy of division and strife and us assuming we're superior and then assuming that someone else is inferior. Did I say that right? Because you're looking at me like I, I said something in Francois or something of that nature, okay? Uh, just because this is what we're comfortable with or what we hold to, we're not allowed to then say we're better and you all are worse because of that. See, we've got to be careful that what we stand for and what we fight for and what we defend is the truth of God's Word, and past that, we do not determine our worth or anyone else's worth. We recognize we're just different, and it's no big deal. That being the case, let me just share with you real quick what the flip side of the issue is with this issue. A lot of times we as individuals assume we know what the Word of God is. We assume we know what the Word of God is and we don't know what the Word of God is. I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes, if we're not careful, and, and maybe this is just repetitive but from a different angle, if we're not careful, we are so convinced that we are biblical and we could not be more unbiblical in our position or our stand on a matter. 
some of the things that we hold to, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It's, it's just, that's it. But we can't be so ignorant as to think that that's what matters to God. It's just, that's what we like. That's what we prefer. That's who we are. And, and, and maybe every denomination struggles with this. Every denomination may deal with this. But sometimes there is so much spiritual ignorance in the body of believers that what we're getting all worked up about and what we're getting all excited about and what we're getting all critical about, if the Lord would just kind of reveal it to us, we would realize that we've made a big deal out of nothing for a long, long time. Just give you a quick example, okay? And uh, I mean nothing by it, it's just a recent example. Saturday evening, the missionaries that uh, were with the fair uh, showed up. I had been to the youth center to exercise, and I had done some things around the house. And I was still in a pair of exercise shorts and a T-shirt. And you know what ran through my mind? I wonder what these people will think of me because I'm in a pair of exercise shorts and a T-shirt. And whenever they pulled up, he had on a pair of jeans and she had on a blouse and a skirt. And you know what she said? She said, I wore a skirt because I didn't know what y'all would think of me if I showed up in a pair of pants. That's truly what she said. And I said to them, I said, isn't it pathetic that both of us were worrying about that? Because at the end of the day, that's really not an issue that matters. And yet in our ranks, we've made it an issue that matters. And then we wonder why people aren't impressed with our faith. Because y'all squabble over that? Uh, we've been known to. We need to be careful to not get so hung up on the latest trend that that's what we determine our own spiritual worth and someone else's spiritual worth. We've got to know the Word of God, and that's what matters. End of discussion. Otherwise, we are servants to someone else's thinking, and that's pathetic. It really is. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer.